0: Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. P's and C's apply in South Wales authorization number tp slash 01005.
0: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Moreno, New Zealand, good morning to you on this Friday morning, uh, the day before the weekend that will be. And it's a massive weekend of sport, uh, and we're going to feature that uh, throughout the next three hours. Of course, we're going to talk to uh, Jeff Wilson uh, about the All Blacks against Ireland. We'll look at uh, both sides that were named yesterday and uh, the prospects as uh, he sees it. Uh, also, we're going to be talking to uh, Alia Dunn. Now, Alia Dunn, of course, uh, was left out of the Silver Ferns, uh, having been the best and most successful shooter in the whole of the ANZ Championship. She was absolutely fantastic for the Pulse, and they won it, uh, but wasn't good enough for Dame Nolene Taurua, apparently. So uh, Alia Dunn has uh, jumped the fence and gone straight to the uh, Tokamanawa Queens to play in uh, the Toihi Basketball Aotearoa. They've got a game this uh, Saturday, so we'll uh, catch up with Alia about that. Uh, We're also going to do, after 10 o'clock this morning, we're going to do a little focus on the UFC. Big weekend coming up with uh, Adesanya, of course, fighting. Uh, So we'll talk to Ravinda Hunia about that. Of course, she's uh, the UFC expert for Sky Sport. The panel this morning will consist of Kimberly Downs and Jamie Wall. Uh, We'll look at the tests coming up. Warren Gatlin back overseas. Warren Fox, another really good round of golf uh, overnight leading the Irish Open. So plenty to talk about there. Louie. Uh, And Pip Morris just before 11 o'clock. Jared Cronin, a host of Warriors Anonymous podcast. He'll be in the studio uh, here. Uh, So we'll talk to Jared about uh, his homecoming as well as the Warriors homecoming uh, in terms of uh, what he expects this weekend and the atmosphere, et cetera. Uh, We're going to talk to Gary Fredrickson. He's a trainer of Greyhounds uh, out of Foxton. Uh, We'll do that uh, around about 11.20, a stump smithy. And Greg O'Connor before we hand over at uh, about uh, midday this morning. So very, very busy morning. Well, the All Blacks 2022 season begins in earnest tomorrow with the first of three tests against the the Irish. But it's been a very disrupted build-up for New Zealand. Very unusual indeed, with a number of COVID cases, including uh, three coaches, uh, a number of players, key players too, David Harvelli, Jack Goodhue, and Will Jordan all ruled out. Uh, so with all those uh, players and all that stuff uh, forced into isolation, there's been somewhat of a reshuffle. Uh, now starting 15, it looks a bit different, I guess, than some would have picked originally. Uh, so Jeff Wilson, uh, of course, former All Black uh, winger and Sky Sport uh, commentator as well, uh, has joined us this morning just to, uh, uh, I guess, have a little bit of a preview of what he expects uh, might happen tomorrow night at Eden Park uh, around about 7.05. Jeff, good morning to you. Thanks for taking the time.
3: It was, a, um, it was certainly interesting late uh, yesterday morning when the first All Black team came out, but then when you you sort of assess what's happened right over the last seven days and who wasn't available or who's still carrying niggles, you get the sense they're almost forced into this combination, right?
2: Well, you do. Um, were they forced to, were they forced into Scott Barrett at six?
3: Well, I think in, in terms of going into a test match where you're not on the ground coaching, you're looking for experience. You're looking for guys who are going to handle the situation because reality is John Plumtree's not going to be there. Greg Fink is not going to be there. Ian Foster hasn't been there all week. And they're going to rely on a lot of experience from the playing group to have prepared mm-hmm. and, and understand the gravity of, of the challenge, right? And so putting a, for example, a Super Bai'i on the side of the scrum could have been a risk. Putting Peter Gasso Akula on the side of the scrum could have been a risk. Playing Dalton Papele'i there, we haven't gone down that combination of two sevens on the blind, so it could have been a risk. So this is the low-risk option. Akira Iwani is clearly not fit enough to play right now with a, a lingering foot issue. So I just look at it and go... Maybe for this first test, I've had to actually go back mm-hmm. to, this is not necessarily a combination they were considering their number one, but someone who's done the job before. And we shouldn't underestimate, Scott Barrett's a heck of a rugby player. Is this his probably best position for the All Blacks going forward? I'm not sure and convinced about that. But they're backing him to do a job for them, I think, this weekend. I don't know if this was the original plan. I just think in some ways, they've looked at him and gone, you know what? We're going to play it a little bit safer uh, in this first test match at Eden Park. And we're going to go out and we're going to be as physical as we possibly can. And I I would say this as well. I think the performance of Sam Whitelock in the final of Super Rugby Pacific forced their hand in terms of, you know what, maybe we need to see if he's still got it for the next 18 months. And this is where it starts with Sam Whitelock because he was very, very good in that game.
2: Certainly was, uh, no doubt about it. as uh, were his teammates as well, Jeff. But, and, and that includes um, the, the likes of uh, David Harvelli and um, uh, Jack Goodhue, of course. But they're out. They're gone. So what about the centres pairing of uh, Quinn and Rico Ioanni?
3: Well, uh, like The only other option that was left and fit and available in the squad was Roger tuivasa Sheik and once again, that was going to be a, a high-risk proposition. Quintu Supaya was one of the big movers last year. I think everyone can accept that. Looks pretty good at the back end of um, Super Rugby as well, so in pretty good form. But I, once again, the only other option really was moving Geordie Barrett forward, and, and they've already said and shown that they're not they've got no appetite to do that. With Will Jordan not being available, the next best fullback, I think there was a. I think these were, in the end, just common-sense decisions. The, the one that is maybe a little bit surprising is that Braden Enor has, has come from not being in the squad to being that cover um, in the outsides. And I, I just think with the guys that they've got on the field, Rico Iwani, who's got the, um, the first facility, Lester Fung and Nuku, we know he can play centre. You know, um, it gives me concerns there that all of a sudden Roger Tuovastashek is now one step further away from getting an opportunity. It's like he's either going to start or he's not going to be in the 23. And that's, that's something that's a little bit unusual. That, that was the one surprise for me. Um, Braden Noonan was, was one of the guys though maybe a little bit unlucky. So the midfield, the question mark of, of you know, these guys have played together. Um, you know, Rico Iwani, uh, we're, this is a position for him where he has to go out and own the 13 jersey because we're searching for someone to do that. And now this is his, his, his big chance
2: i I think that the the fact that eno is there too reinforces your point about um uh, just going a little bit safety first in terms of the devil you'll know, and of course Roger Tuovasa-Shek at, at this stage is the devil they don't. So uh, I think that, that probably re that point that you made before about uh, Scott Barrett at six as well. But uh, it was a dollar one in shortening that Leicester Nuku would uh, get into the All Blacks at some point. Uh, he's in straight away for a, a debut. Um, looking forward to his debut because he has been exciting.
3: Oh, massively. I mean, this is the one guy I was really hoping was going to get to play regardless who was fit and available because he his offering he, he offers something different that we haven't had for a while. Now, now, Caleb Clark clearly is the other option on the wing, but he's not. He played no rugby as well. I mean, it, there's a, coming into the Test match, I think there was a lot of guys that almost not ruled themselves out, but were going to be risky propositions, and Caleb Clark is one of those. Nobody of work to, to, to go back on Um, picked up a hamstring injury, you know, you want to have confidence in the guys who are going out there and have been playing, and Leicester's been doing that, and this is not just this season, it's for the last two seasons he's shown real, real significant improvement, so I'm excited to see him play, the one thing I'm excited about, well, I'm interested in Smithy, is more importantly about the mindset and the way that we're going to play with this group of players, because this is, you know, if you're looking about, looking at this group, it's it seems as though it's been picked for physicality. We're certainly going to have direct um, uh, uh, directness in terms of the way that we play. Kunzapai is going to carry strongly. I hope Lestafai anuku has got a little bit of a license, a license he's been given at the Crusaders to go and look for the ball. I hope we use him through the middle of the park because that's where I see him as being just as dangerous as he is out on the edges. Mm-hmm. And so when you pick Scott Barrett at six, you're expecting him to carry and to hit people and to strike and, and and to be really, really physical. Um, look, once again, Nepo Lalala wasn't available. And he's, players have had to come in for cover for him through the fact he's got a bit of a neck problem. So, you know, I, I think there are positions we just... We didn't really have too many options, you know, um, in terms of what mm. they appear to be looking for. And, and, and this, is a, this is a physical, physical group. I'm, I'm interested to know whether or not it can dominate because it's been selected like we're going to play direct we're going to play tough and we're going to try and um, um, out-muscle the Irish, which I think is going to be a really, really tough ask.
2: You mentioned before, Jeff, uh, about the fact that, uh, you know, the senior players, the stand-up players, uh, would have to take a, a, an integral role in the preparation this week as well. But uh, Ian Foster, of course, and John Plumtree, not there. Greg Feek, late in the week, not there. So uh, the reintroduction of... Um, you know, a, a great, great, great scrum, uh, scrum coach um, and, and Mike Cron, of course, and Joe Smith coming into the group as well. What, a, what have you made of that?
3: Well, I mean, I think it was by, by necessity. Look, Crono's been coaching um, for a long, long time. He's been working in a, as a consultancy role and, and, and mentoring coaches for New Zealand rugby over the last couple of years. I mean, that's, that's what he's been doing anyway. So, look, he'll be well and truly aware of what um, Greg Peak will be delivering. But once again... I mean, when you've got players like Cody Taylor off the of Tawanga Farsi, Brodie Rotelik, Sam Whitelock, and you're talking fundamentally about a scrum. I mean, the, the mechanics and what they do—it's a—it's a habitual, um, a habitual thing. So, I mean, Crono will just be making sure that they're—they're they're doing their right preparations. But in the end, I mean, Carl Semlukuafe, Angus these are guys who have been here and, and, and done that before. Samasoni Pakiaho was was outstanding last year. So, for me, i, I did don't read too much. And the Joe Smith thing is—is. Is, I think it's unfortunate for Joe that he's had to come in and do this, because preference he he, he wanted to distance himself from this Irish series because of his connection to it, and I can understand that. Um, But I think New Zealand rugby and and the All Black coaches are grateful he'll be coming in, and once again, though, he'll just be playing a role where he'll be observing and and making sure that they are doing the the things that they should be doing on on any given test preparation Mm -hmm. week, but. This is almost new territory for him as well. He, he hasn't been inside the all-black environment very long at all, and, and, and he won't, and themselves won't know the systems, right? So, you know, I think his is just a, as an as a observational, you know, um, uh, almost a voice for the leadership group to go and talk to if they need someone. But um, this, this performance to me, this ownership of this performance will come very much down to the group of players.
2: OK, let's uh, look at the pivots then uh, and the matchup that we've got um, players that we know very well. Uh, Smith and Barrett, Jamison Gibson-Park, of course, uh, that we know who we know so well, and Johnny Sexton. This, this is a quite uh, an interesting thing. Do you, do you think the All Blacks are, are going to prepare for uh, Sexton bombing or not?
3: Uh, look, I think there's an element of that. But in saying that, what they did do very well in November last year was they, they played some outstanding attacking rugby and put us under pressure by holding on to the ball and forcing us to give away penalties either at the breakdown or or, um, around the fringes or or being offside. So, I mean, their skill set is the thing that has been impressive, the way that they've changed their game and their ability to do that. Now, I I saw on Wednesday against the Māori All Blacks from a young Irish side, the same determination to try and play and and, and create um, opportunities to attack. So, I mean, it's dangerous territory if you kick the ball to the All Blacks. But in saying that, their defence is world-class. And I had a long conversation yesterday, Smithy, that this Irish team is not full of superstar players, but what they are is incredibly well-disciplined and and organised. They've got a great defensive system if they're disciplined, and on attack, they are very, very accurate and patient, uh, and very, very good at the breakdown, really good at the breakdown. So, I think this could become a bit of a battle of the worlds, and, and Sexton is a very, very good tactical kicker, not a... Um, needless kicker of the, of the rugby ball I think he recognises when it's time to kick and they get the balance right so very much the same for the All Blacks, we, we balance out our attack and our kicking game and rely on our ability to build pressure, this is a game, I think a lot of this game might be played between the 22s and the team that is most disciplined um, and the team that's accurate, like you would in any test matches will we'll come out on top
2: Jeff of the three test matches coming up, do you figure this is um, the Irish best chance
4: tomorrow night?
3: Uh, No. No, not at all. It's Eden Park. Um, This is the All Blacks at Eden Park. It's the first test match of the year. Um, You know, I think they got a a bit of an awakening on Wednesday night for the fact that our next tier of talent in the Māori All Black side was very, very good. Um, And I I think for them, yep, they're coming here. But I, I just think this is a really tough, tough ask. In some ways, maybe Dunedin is a better opportunity for them. I'm just not sure and convinced, though, Smithy. They bought enough players. Um, a lot of guys mm. having to back up from Wednesday, um, you know. And that was still a physical, bruising encounter. Yeah, you know, these are tough guys, but that's only three days ago. You know, that that's it uh, that was two nights ago. So, you know, I think for me, um, you know, that, that was a little bit of a surprise, and you know, a couple of guys got banged up. I mean. Tian he Healy's made one of the fastest recoveries I've ever seen from a knee injury, um, <laughs> but but I, I look at this and I go, you know, I, Eden Park. It's been a long, long time. Um, the All Blacks as well are still be smarting from November last year. So you know, I think for me, this is this is this is probably the toughest task of the three Test matches for Ireland. And you know, I would be surprised if we don't see. You know, I, this is it should be a. This should be a fired-up All Black team. This should be, you know, uh, this has been reported in the Northern Hemisphere. They're talking about this is what they're expecting. I'll be disappointed if I don't see it, you know, when I don't see a response because that is what the All Blacks have done. They've done it in the past, um, and there should be no short of motivation in this group.
2: 320-plus caps uh, in the Irish pack, and uh, they, of course, are boasting 10 players that were part of that last result against the All Blacks when they won uh, 29-20. Uh, names like Targ Furlong in there. Peter Omani has been around uh, forever, 84 caps. So there is a heap of experience in there, Jeff.
3: Yeah, losing Henderson is a bit as big, though, for them. Losing him, he, he got over here and got picked up an injury at training and uh, it, it heads home. Yet I, I, I still think there's a real a, a lot to like them. They're well-conditioned. Like I said, they're well-prepared. They play like a team. But, but this comes down to the, the, this is the first Test match of the year for the All Blacks. This is not November is a July series. This is us at home. This is a situation where it's actually advantage All Blacks. Whereas last year, going into that mm. test match, it was advantage Island, the long of a long, long season. You can't deny what the All Blacks had to face last year, and they weren't on top of their game. They only lost by eight points. And if you think about um, uh, Akira Ioane's try, which was called back and against the run of play, which which ended up actually it was legal, there was no issue with it, bottom line, that could have been a vastly different result. This conversation would be very, very different. So so I think taking all that into account, I think the All Blacks are clear play favourites, they should be favourites, and they should win this Test match. But you don't want to underestimate an Island side, which has proven difficult for the All Blacks in the past. But all of the things are set up for this All Black team, you know, in, in terms of being at home, first Test of the year, you know, I expect a big performance.
2: Okay. Um, before I let you go, just a, a, a little matter of an, an England Australia series getting underway uh, tomorrow night as well, and uh, Dave Rennie's named uh, Quade Cooper to start at ten.
3: Yeah, I, I read that. I read that this morning. I, I, I searched through and looks at the teams, and and you know that's a, you know, I, I'm not. I'm just not convinced that this is the way forward but clearly he enjoyed having Quade Cooper leading the ship last year. did a really good job for Australia. They weren't as good on the end-of-year tour when he wasn't there so, you know, he 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 sees the value in Quade and, you know, that's the question is is he a different player than he was three or four years ago because that was the question mark and, and to be honest with you, it's tough when you're playing against the All Blacks and we were judging him on always on that form, on those games when, you know, we've sort of had Australia's numbers. So, I'm looking forward to the series. I'm I'm looking forward to all of the southern hemisphere teams being in action. You know, Smithy, I've looked at a little multi about how the southern southern hemisphere might go. Um, and and everyone tells me Australia, are the team, not to trust against England. Everyone else, Argentina, Scotland, South Africa, Wales, All Blacks against Ireland. But that one across the Tasman. Um, I mean, it's a great weekend of rugby, right?
2: Yeah, it is. It's phenomenal, mate. Absolutely. And uh, you will be very much a part of it tomorrow night at Eden Park. Uh, thanks very much uh, for your time this morning and uh, the way you've summed it up, Jeff, very nicely. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thank you. We'll see you
3: tomorrow, Smitty. Cheers, mate.
2: Yep, cheers, Jeff Wilson there with uh, the way he's looking at it and uh, as he says he's uh, expecting a very, very uh, good performance from the All Blacks and he thinks uh, in his book anyway they're pretty warm favourites in this first Test match, maybe Ireland uh, perhaps a little later in the series but uh, the old Eden Park factor, a massive factor uh, in any visiting side coming here uh, and of course Ireland looking to create history winning here for the very first time it's 9.22 here on SENZ.
3: New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number
0: one selling side by side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah,
2: we just touched on the, that Wallaby team, uh, which are playing England, of course, tomorrow night. Immense interest in that series, um, especially with Eddie Jones, of course, uh, coaching. England and uh, uh, Dave Rennie coaching uh, the Wallabies. And Dave Rennie's come up uh, with quite an interesting team, which uh, they say, according to the headlines anyway, is is actually a a real snub on the Queensland Reds. A side includes uh, a new hooker and David Parecki, of course, who uh, plays for the Brumbies, uh, and a a new lock and Cadron Neville as well, starts uh, his test career at the age, the ripe old age of 33. So, been around the traps a wee bit. Uh, they've got uh, a very hot loose forward trio though in uh, Rob Leota, uh, Michael Hooper, who's about to play his 119th test, so he's uh, not far away from Georgie Gregan now. Uh, and Robert Valentini, who is probably one of the form loose forwards, I think, out of the whole of uh, Super Rugby on both sides of the Tasman. Uh, Tate McDermott hasn't even made uh, the cut in terms of the bench either, so he's gone for uh, Nick White there. Uh, and Jake Gordon, of course, uh, he, he's he makes the cut as well. So... Uh, And Tom Banks uh, is uh, at 15. He retains his jersey, even though he's uh, leaving to go to Japan uh, at the end of this. Uh, And yes, Quade Cooper at 10. Quade Cooper at 10, which is uh, very interesting indeed. So a lot of experience on the bench uh, with uh, Lola Sierra, of course. uh, Jordan Pattaya making up the back reserves. And Pete Samu uh, looking to play uh, his 20th test match uh, will come off the bench as well. Very strong bench indeed for the Wallabies if uh, they need it towards the end of the match. Uh, One of the other interesting issues, of course, as well, is uh, the refereeing side of things in our series. Carl Dixon is the referee tomorrow night, uh, former scrum half, uh, has been uh, refereeing internationally for a little while. In fact, he did the uh, All Blacks against Italy last year, if you can remember that game. Uh, But this is by far his biggest stage, no doubt about it. And that's prompted a few texts that have come in, actually, which are are quite pertinent. Jeff, uh, the ref, of course. Uh, Scott Barrett is an awesome player. My concern, though, that Scott playing blindside is his tackle count will be a lot higher, so his discipline and tackle technique will have to be on point. Otherwise, he could be carded early as uh, a match official is from the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Josh has come in and said, uh, Smithy, international rugby, red card, no replacement after 20 minutes, just a thought in the next few weeks. Uh, And uh, that's a a really good point, actually. Uh, Once they're gone, they're gone at international level. Uh, there's no 20-minute 20 20 uh, stand-down, and then you can uh, run on a fresh guy. Uh, and Smithy uh, from Dennis J. This is an interesting one, too. Dennis, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think the toughest task for the All Blacks is 100% the breakdown the physicality of Ireland, something that Jeff uh, pointed out just before. The All Blacks uh, need to get the ball wide and run hard with the ball, hoping for zero rain. And at this stage, uh, I understand the forecast for Auckland It's pretty good, fine and dry track, so we look forward to that. Uh, 9.30 here on SENZ, it's time for uh, Aroa with the news, and uh, when we come back, a little bit of netball with a little bit of basketball thrown in with the same guest, Elia Dunn. Well, it's been a topsy-turvy sort of a week for uh, Alia Dunn, uh, one of the notable admissions from Dame Noling Taurua's Silver Fern squad for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, a Bit of a shock to a lot of people, actually a lot of pundits, that uh, uh, Alia's name was not part of the squad. But uh, she's moved on very quickly, in fact, uh, changed sport entirely. Signed with the Tokamanawa Queens for the inaugural season of uh, Toihi uh, Basketball Aotearoa. Uh, New Zealand's brand new five-team National Basketball League for women, with uh, a little bit of professionalism uh, attached to it as well. Uh, Of course, it's not a first attempt at basketball. Alia's been around uh, in terms of uh, playing at a junior level. In fact, uh, has toured overseas uh, with the junior, uh, Tor Ferns, and uh, joins us now. Alia, good morning to you. Um, First of all, condolences on missing out on the Commonwealth Games team. That might have hit you a little bit hard, did it?
5: Well, you know, like, it is what it is. Like, can't change anything about it. But I'm really excited to, like, get kicking on with the um, basketball season.
2: So, uh, Chalice, uh, you made that decision very quickly. W- you know, was it on the cards then?
5: Yeah, no, um, I definitely was on the cards. Um, probably, I got approached by them probably, like, towards the end of the post season. Yeah, and I've just okay, so- definitely been in the back of my mind. <laughs>
2: So, I mean, incredibly successful season, though, um, with the Pulse, of course, winning the title, but 16, 618 goals at 93%. You must have been pretty stoked with the way that finished up.
5: Yeah, it's not too bad, I guess. i <laughs> trying to keep, a, um, <laughs> keep my accuracy up.
2: So uh, let's uh, look at uh, the reason why you decided to leave the Pulse and, and travel down to uh, to Christchurch.
5: Um, I think just like a change of scenery. I've been here for about five seasons. And I think we've done, we've done pretty well here. But yeah, just probably like being able to do that somewhere else is a challenge.
2: So how much time have you been able to spend uh, with uh, your new team, the Tokamanawa Queens?
5: Um, probably just like maybe like two weeks now.
2: It's, yeah. And how much, yeah. how, how much training, how much training have you had?
5: Um, I pretty much had to train every day because I'm trying to catch up to everyone else. <laughs> um, there's so much to learn, like both offensive and defensive structures, and then just like getting my touch like around the room has been a lot of hard work, but like really fun at the same time. So basketball was it your first love originally? Yeah, definitely. Like I have a lot of passion for basketball. <laughs> So what led you to change to netball? Um, I think just like the pathway was a lot easier. Like coming out of school, like there was a contract there and it was in New Zealand, didn't have to like try organise trying to find teams overseas or like, you know, go through that um, pathway that most female women basketball um, need to go through. So yeah, that's why I chose netball. What?
2: Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, tell us a, a wee bit about your squad, can you? The Tokamanawa Queens. Tell us about uh, some of your teammates, uh, any uh, imports that you may have?
5: Yeah, so we've got three imports um, Flo, Al, and Jamie, and they're all from around the world, and they are like unreal. They're so cool, Like they're real fun people, and you can see how passionate they are about the game. And then we've also got our local, like, tour friends, like Stella Beck, Josie, and um, Jabba. They all um, have been really helpful and like just helping me along like because they all know what they 're doing, and they can tell I definitely do not know what i 'm doing
2: <laughs> how how easy has, has it been to pick up on on uh, some of the you know the the technique in that again and how how can how does netball help basketball or vice versa
5: um it 's actually funny because like it 's actually almost the opposite. What I do in netball, so netball you have to be like upright, don't get too physical, like you can't push off or anything. Where's basketball? You're trying to get down low and throw a few elbows if you can and just be real physical in there. So, like, yeah, it's been a steep learning learning curve for me, but it's honestly just been heaps of fun, like getting back into it.
2: So, in terms of the the fitness levels, um, you know, I read an, an article where you said you, you wanted to, you are keen on getting out and about a bit more instead of just standing and waiting for things to come to you as such as a shooter. Uh, so what about uh, the fitness levels that you have to get up to f- in terms of that for mobility?
5: Yeah, well, I'm um, using like basketball definitely helps with that because they're running full court, which is also what I've been finding challenging. Like from like a half a circle to full court is like definitely a big jump, but yeah. It's been really good and really helpful for me.
2: Your partner uh, is Johnny, Johnny Hillu, and and he he plays for the Wellington Saints. So there's uh, obviously um, a little bit of competition coming up now in in terms of between you, but certainly a big basketball theme in the house.
5: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, We always talk about, like, basketball, because he came to watch one of our training games and I, like, went straight to him and I was like, what do I need to do? Like, I feel like... So silly sometimes, and I like don't know what I'm doing. He just like gives me feedback, and it's like, yeah, been really good.
2: So, Ali, in terms of your position in, in basketball, where do you see yourself perhaps starting?
5: Um, do you mean like position? Oh, um, I would definitely yeah. be playing the five. Yeah. Yeah. And um, hopefully, okay. once I learn how to play the four, then potentially move out that
2: way. OK, so, uh, man, it's exciting. And obviously, too, it's, it's a professional league, so you get a bit of uh, income out of it, too?
5: Yeah, definitely, which is like such a huge step for um, female basketball in New Zealand.
2: What are the teams, uh, who do you think will be the toughest opposition? What do you, what do you know about uh, the opposition that you're playing, uh, for instance, this week in the Mid-North Fire
5: Man, honestly, I don't know much about any of the teams just because I've been out of the game for so long. Like, I've got a few of the when I used to play and like, that were in my age group, but like that was how many years ago? So they've definitely like grown and developed over time. So, yeah, I'm just going to see what it's like when we get up there.
2: Hey, um, you sound excited about this. You really do. I mean, I, I would have thought you might have been a bit depressed um, not making one team, but uh, you sound pretty excited about this new venture.
5: No, yeah, definitely. Like, I love basketball, so, yeah, it's just going to be heaps of fun.
2: OK, uh, Alia, we wish you all the best uh, with your transition across, and uh, we look forward to seeing how your, your team, the Tokomanawa Queens, get on, particularly in that very first game against the Mid-North Fire. It's Porirua on Saturday, folks. Get along to that. so And you'll see uh, Alia Dunn in a new uniform. Alia, thank you very much and all the best.
5: That's all good. Thank you.
2: Cheers, uh, Alia Dunn there, of course, uh, missing out on the Silver Ferns. Incredible uh, success rate there. 618 goals at 93%. That's uh, Irene, Irene Van Dijk sort of stuff, isn't it? Irene Van Dijk. Uh, Irene Van Dijk, yeah. That is a name from the past, so... Those kind of numbers, but not required uh, by Dame Nolene Taurua. Uh, went for the junior tall ferns under 19 toured uh, Fiji and China, in fact. So uh, earlier, as you said, uh, very passionate, very, very passionate uh, about uh, basketball. So wish her all the best in her new vocation. It's 9.40 here on SENZ.
0: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Eddie Jones has actually named uh, his English team as well and it's uh, a new look side with a new captain which has uh, upset Owen Farrell somewhat. He's given the captaincy to Courtney Laws and uh, and Farrell not too happy about that from the get-go. His side to start uh, is Stuart, Knoll, Marchant, Farrell, Kokona Singer, Smith, Kerr, Gensh, George, Stuart, Otaji, Hill, Laws, Curry, and Billy Vunapola. So that's his starting uh, 15, and apparently it's gone down pretty well with uh, a lot of uh, English pundits. They've been looking for that kind of starting lineup. Of course, they got a hiding, didn't they? uh, From the Barbarians uh, as they were about to leave home. So that didn't go out too well. Uh, Let's uh, look at um, a couple of texts that have come in. Uh, Morning, Smithy. I'm a bit old school on basketball positions. Guard, forward, centre. What is a five? Right. Well, a five is the centre. Uh, and she wants to become a forward, as earlier done, and that is a power forward, so that's the skill set that she has to uh, adopt, of course. So, yeah, um, interesting from, from that point of view, but a, a, a big focus will obviously be her shooting skills as well, um, but a different kind of shooting skill. Uh, uh, Barry's come in, um, and uh, from Barry's from Palmy, of course. Hi, uh, Smithy. What chance Ryan Fox making the President's Cup team, currently 16th in the order of merit, the one time they won, uh, they had two Kiwis in the team. Well, that's a, a very good point, Barry, actually. Of course, uh, Ryan Fox is at this stage leading the Irish Open overnight. He's had a heck of a run of form. Uh, he is uh, under in his first round, lead, leads by one shot from a group of players. So it's not like he's a runaway leader or anything, but he uh, had a really scorching back nine by all accounts. Uh, and and I, I, I would imagine, yeah, uh, I can't quite remember who the current... Uh, captain is for the President's Cup team. Someone will uh, obviously text in and remind me of that. But I, I believe uh, he's got to be a real chance on this form if he can maintain it. The other thing, of course, uh, he's 56th in the world now in terms of his ranking there. Uh, so that puts him in good stead. But it also gives him a lot of access to a lot of events around the world. And then, of course, uh, the, this uh, theory coming up during the week to the extent uh, that... Uh, you know, he may have uh, an easier access to to the PGA, and uh, with his current run of form, he might have an option uh, to pop across and try his luck on the PGA. Not sure about that, uh, whether he wants to do that, um, but uh, in all honesty, uh, Ryan Fox is, is going very, very well. So I also read this interesting story too, um, that uh, protesters from Seven Eleven. 11 this is an interesting one for me, Brian. Uh, you might uh, want to come in on this because... Uh, the 9-11, sorry, protests from 9-11 uh, are um, mounting uh, an actual protest at a park nearby where this latest LIV tournament is about to start in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and they're going to uh, endeavour to uh, make their feelings felt about these guys that have uh, taken the money. So uh, it's, it's quite uh, interesting, uh, this story, and particularly they're going to target Phil Mickelson, Um, because of the group of survivors and families from the 9-11 victims, the terror attacks, all those years ago, uh, uh, they are wanting to speak out. Uh, Brett Eagleson was 15 years old when he lost his father in the collapse of the World Trade Centre. 3,000 people were killed on that day back uh, in 2001, so 21 years on. We want the golfers to know who they're getting into bed with and who they're doing business with. Any golfer that chooses to play for the LA tournament should have to listen to the family members and look us in the eye and explain to us why they're taking Saudi money and why they're playing in this tournament, Brian. There's a lot of emotion around this. Massive amounts.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's a hard one. I think um, money's money, really. Honestly, money, it's worth the same amount, you know, for whatever. It's, and if you're going to take it, I mean, I think they need to worry about the body more than the athletes. Stop blaming. Don't hate the player. Hate the game.
2: Hate the game, OK. Um, it, it's interesting, uh, perspective there. I mean, it's a splitting golf, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely splitting golf. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a traditionalist, so I'm very much PGA. I'm very much uh, the DP tour. I'm very much the majors, the RNA, et cetera, like that. Uh, so the impact going ahead um, will be very interesting to see as more and more players go and more and more sanctions come in, at what point they have to get together, because it, I, I don't think it can continue on along this path. Uh, you know of just dog eat dog and and, and um, Norman versus the world sort of scenario. So, um, and uh, this guy Egelson goes on to, uh, to single out Phil Mickelson. He said, who was used to be one of my childhood heroes. He said, now to see him katowing into this, into the Saudis and saying that he doesn't give a crap. He doesn't give a crap about the struggles and the pain and that misery. Three thousand dead Americans. He doesn't care because he got offered a paycheck. It's just the worst form of greed.
1: Oof, I think it's kind of uh, pretty al- emotional. Almost, almost stones and glass houses. Um, do you think they could? Ooh. Do you think they would ever come together?
2: Uh, look, uh, it'll take some healing already because the rift is quite severe, and and some of the things that have been said already um, and initiated already, um, uh, you know, are, are, are quite deep and meaningful. So uh, it won't be for a while. Uh, I think the, they'll let the first uh, season unfold. Uh, See if there's any more movement, any more uh, possibility of players going across. Um, And then, of course, uh, I'll make a decision on on the end of that. How it impacts the majors, how it affects the Ryder Cup, I think are crucial to uh, how it will pan out in the future. uh, It's 9.51 here on SENZ. Uh, We shall come back with a multi before 10 o'clock.
1: You got to know. Smithy's Multi.
6: Bed live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Yesterday, no good at all, actually. Minnesota Twins were going really well against the Cleveland Guardians, but the Cleveland Guardians uh, won with two outs in the uh, 10th innings. Managed to hit uh, a walk-off uh, home run, and uh, that was the end of that. Melbourne Storm got upset by Manly as well. I regard that as an upset, so uh, we weren't even close yesterday. Uh, today, I'm going for the Doctor. It's a big one, so a big weekend of sports, so let's uh, get stuck into it and make some money off it. Uh, the Warriors to beat the West Tigers. I think that's cool at $1.53. Uh, the All Blacks to beat Ireland by 1-12. to 1-12, to 12, the margin there, at $2.90. I believe England will upset Australia at $2.20. Uh, in that uh, clash across the Tasman and uh, Argentina are uh, playing Scotland this weekend in Argentina, and they will win at a dollar forty five on picking that now you multi that all up at buck fifty three two 20 to a dollar forty five fourteen dollars and fifteen cents fourteen dollars and fifteen cents for that one. Uh, I'm just uh, seeing uh, on my monitor here that the, the studio is still set up, part-time studio is set up uh, down there at Sky City. That's because we have an afternoon show there with uh, Ricardo. Uh, he's going to host for there. Uh, and also, of course, uh, in the, 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 the going home team, the run home. They're uh, there today, and that, of course, is Kimberley Downs with Beaver as well, uh, and uh, that will be as part of the All Black experience too. So uh, if you're in the, the area and you want to make yourself known and go down and meet some of uh, our crew, uh, I, th- I suggest that uh, you go down to Sky City today. They all, Most of them are quite friendly anyway, and uh, they won't tell you where to go. Uh, so that'll be um, um, interesting. Uh, also, we've got uh, a couple of texts come in, uh, Trevor Immelman. Uh, says Craig is the uh, President's Cup captain for the world team. So thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, similar to what happened in Newcastle United when they got taken over. That's uh, from Dennis, who's uh, been in a couple of times this morning. Yeah, uh, That Saudi ownership uh, and it, that split. Uh, the footballing world somewhat, didn't it? It, wouldn't, uh, it didn't go down a treat. Had a couple of uh, texts in from uh, Harlem Shine this morning as well. Uh, saying, uh, what about the possibility of a Maori Pacific team? Um, and perhaps I, I guess you're th- along the lines of uh, to play against touring sides like Ireland. Don't mind that idea at all, mate. And thank you very much for your uh, piece of advice that you gave me as well. Uh, we have uh, got to talk with uh, Ravinda Hunia after uh, 10 o'clock because it's a massive weekend of UFC um, and it's 276 featuring our Israel. Don't worry uh, about his prospects either. Uh, it is coming up to uh, 10 o'clock. And we will have the news now with Aroha.
0: Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, the ANZAC assault on International Fight Week is in full swing, and UFC 276 this Sunday from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas sees the next stage of the takeover from Down Under, where the mantra for the team has been, hold the line. CKB's uh, Carlos Ulberg... Open the campaign with a first-round KO victory at the UFC Apex last weekend in Kaikara, uh, Kaikara, France, will bring in the rearguard with his chance for a shot at the flyweight interim uh, championship the end of the month. But this Sunday, it is all on. And our middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya, will be defending his crown against former heavyweight Jared Cannonier, And his stablemate, Alex Volkanovsky, will be looking to show why he's the featherweight goat in his trilogy bout against Max Holloway and here down to break down some of these important fights for us right now is uh, Ravinda Honia, of course who uh, is a, a great exponent of the art herself but also uh, for Sky Television is uh, an expert commentator and reviewer of these uh, particular events so UFC 276 looks like a real mouth-watering one uh, Ravinda, good morning to you
7: Morena Smithy, mouth-watering is right, cannot wait for this guy on the weekend <laughs>
2: Well, it starts uh, with uh, the first Kiwi being uh, 14th-ranked Brad Riddell taking on uh, a rising lightweight prospect in uh, Jalen Turner. And the interesting thing here is Turner is it stands six foot three, Riddell five foot seven. So you're thinking there's some sort of reach advantage, anyway.
7: Oh yes, and you know Jalen's fight name is the Tarantula. I mean, he overcame a fear of spiders, but he very much has the limbs of a tarantula. As well, and it has served him well in his fights leading up to this moment. For Jalen Turner, he's fighting for a spot in the top 15. He's trying to steal that from Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell, though, is fighting to you know maybe a bit of redemption after his knockout loss in his uh, last fight against Rafael uh, Fiziev. But this will be very interesting because Brad Riddell is used to fighting you know taller, bigger opponents and training with them as well. When we look at Israel Desonia and the stocks at CKB.
2: Okay, well, uh, they both are uh, uh, stand and bangers, apparently, um, so uh, are they likely to, to veer away from that tactic, or will it just be that?
7: Well, it depends, I think. Uh, Brad Riddell, as we know, is, as you say, a stand and banger, and he also has great takedown defence, as is traditional at um, City Kickboxing Gym. Jalen Turner, though, he does have a good ground game, so... You know, it'll be interesting to see whether Jalen Turner um, wants to take this fight to the ground. But in terms of Brad, he will want to stand and get on the inside to really um, nullify uh, Jalen's long limbs and try and work in that pocket. But Jalen Turner, he could um, want to take this fight to the ground. He does have a strength down there. He has submitted opponents in the past. So for Jalen, he does have those options.
2: Okay, um, what are you picking? What are you picking in this one?
7: I'm going Brad Riddell. I have to back our boy. Um, He's coming off a loss um, that he's still so upset about. So, you know, he does have the fire in the belly. You mentioned Carlos Olberg winning last week, and Brad Riddell's up next. So he'll want to serve his team well. The whole family's over there, so he'll want to put on a great performance and really show the UFC why he is a top 15 contender.
2: Well, it doesn't stop there, of course, because uh, next up uh, we want to look at uh, one of the co-main events where uh, Australia's Alex uh, Volkanovski puts his belt on the line in his third fight uh, against uh, Max Holloway. We've seen this one uh, twice already for the same result. Do you expect anything to change this time around?
7: I think if we expect to see anything different, it will be Max Holloway perhaps rethinking his approach to this fight. There's a lot of people... You know, professional analysts who say that he won fight two, and that that's the only reason why they're having a trilogy is to to put that fight um, to bed. I think Max Holloway needs to really put on a convincing fight if he is to look um, favourable to the judges if this fight goes all five rounds. But Volkanovski has been evolving with every fight which is you know quite bizarre when you Volkanovski isn't the youngest of fighters anymore but he seems to be getting better he seems to be getting more durable and you know his fight IQ is growing as well so there's a lot for Max Holloway to contend with he hasn't been as active as Volkanovski so will that you know little bit of rust um come into play as well I'm I'm backing Volkanovski for this fight he is, you know, 11 wins undefeated in the usc since 2016. Um, that's a hard streak to kind of stop, and I was actually fortunate to catch up with Volkanovsky before they flew out, and he is just so mm-hmm. fired up, so confident, and his mind space has evolved along with his skill set. So, Max has got a tough night at the office ahead.
2: Well, he changed his style completely for uh, fight number two. Obviously, didn't work, and uh, they're now fully aware of that style as well. So um if if he doesn't just say max holloway doesn't get up this time around what what does that mean for his career i mean if he, he can't just keep running into this guy and 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 putting up with it i mean is that the end for him
7: i don't know if it would be the end i mean he's celebrating this is his 10th year in the UFC, and he's only 30 years old you know he's come a long way he is one of the veterans. And I don't want to say that this would be the end for him. There's a lot of fights left in that featherweight division for him. Would they be for him as opposed to his opponents wanting Max Holloway on their resume? You know, that's up for debate. But I don't think it's the end for Holloway. I just think that um, he may have to bide his time if Volkanovski holds on to the belt.
2: OK, then if Volkanovski does hold on to the belt, what for him? What next for him? Does he just keep repelling uh, possible challenges? I mean, he's cleared out the division, hasn't he?
6: He has,
7: and uh, um, he has spoken about wanting to move to lightweight after this fight. He spoke about wanting to move to lightweight after his defeat over Korean Zombie in his last fight, not thinking that he'd get a trilogy over Holloway, but he wants to move up to lightweight. He has alluded to wanting to face Charles Oliveira, who, of course, isn't the title holder anymore because he missed weight in his last title fight, but wants that title fight. He wants to be a champ champ, so my guess is he wins here. He'll be moving on to lightweight.
2: Well, the other fight that we're uh, all really looking forward to, of course, is uh, Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya uh, versus Jared, the killer gorilla, Cananea. I love some of these names, uh, Ravinder. I've got to say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, uh, Adesanya is a bit similar to Volkanovski. He's he's repelled so many people. Um, But what about uh, Cananea here? Just, just tell about his his chances and, and the style he needs to break down Adesanya.
7: Kenanier is, you know, any fighter that faces Adesunia is a is a chance, and Canonier has the, um, maybe not the luxury, but um, he's watched Adesunia clear out the division, but he hasn't fought him yet. You know, we're seeing Adesanya having rematches against mini middleweights now lapping the division, but he's not yet stepped into the octagon with Canonier. and for me, that's what makes this fight really interesting. We haven't seen it before. We don't know what Kananir looks like up against Adesanya. Kananir's been on quite a little tear. He then got a uh, decision loss against Robert Whitaker, which ruined his chances of getting a title fight earlier on. He then got injured, so he's been working his way back up trying to, you know, plot along, do his own thing in the background as Adesanya, you know, carried on um, with his title uh, defences. Canonier I think the trick for him will be to get on the inside. We all know that Adesanya is destructive on the outside, So I think for him, closing the distance will be very important. He's known to be able to do that. That is his style of fight. I predict Canonier will be coming in, trying to take Sonya's legs out, which is obviously Adesunia's foundation of his frame, which he's able to power from to get those hooks in and all that movement from. So if Canonier can weather the storm, get up close, and maybe start chopping on that leg, I think he's a fighter's chance.
2: Okay, interesting. Uh, the other thing, of course, he's got is the, he's got the big punch because uh, or he's got that knockout quality. He, he was behind on the scorecards in his last fight, uh, but managed to get out of it. So, he, um, uh, the, only, uh, the other thing, as you say, is a forward press fighter, which makes him a target if he's not careful early on.
7: Well, that's right. Uh, the reality is, uh, up against a fighter like a Sonia with the fight IQ that he has, if you're going to come in, you're going to be eating shots. So, if he is prepared to eat those shots, then that's what we're going to expect. Sonya. though, I, I heard a great um, description, I think it was from Joe Rogan, who said he will sit back and he will scan his fighters. Like in the first round, he's sitting back, he's throwing, he's, doing, he's throwing feints, he's working around the cage, but he is scanning his fighter. And then we see usually come the second round, he's sorted them out. He knows their movements. He's seen what they're doing habitually as natural fighters, their natural movements pulling them away from their game plan, pushing them back into their natural habits and working from there. So if Canonier can get in early and maybe try and, I don't know, catch Adesunia off guard, he could be a chance. I just think Adesunia is too clever rather than the skill set and physicality that he brings to a fight.
2: Well, he's very confident as well about this. Uh, He's promised to make it look easy, uh, Israel. I mean, you know him well. Uh, This is typical of him, isn't it?
7: oh 100% confidence i think is um is uh, an understatement for him at this point in <laughs> of, of his career um but that's important it's all part of it right um when we were watching the press conference yesterday we heard about canonea talking about um you know the first uh time he met Adesunia, which was a few years ago and um how he didn't really you know appreciate the way that adisonia was kind of calling him out back then but that's 2 years of, you know, real estate that Adesonia has had in Kanania's mind this whole time. And that comes down to Sonia's confidence. When he meets someone in his division, he's already playing the game. We're not even fighting anytime soon, but I'm gonna let you know that, you know, we're not friends, we're opponents, and I'm here and I've got that championship mentality. And it's it's just something that not all of us are blessed to have in this world, but um, Adesonia definitely, you know, has that for his opponents and for everyone else in the division as well.
2: There's another fight, actually, on the card, which uh, is quite interesting, and it's a contender fight with uh, Sean Strickland going up against the only man to uh, KO Adesanya in kickboxing, and that's uh, Alex Pereira. Now, uh, I would imagine that uh, Dana White would uh, quite like Pereira to win this one, to have that matchup.
7: Most definitely. So we can see that the storyline is being written here, right? So there's it's no, um, you know... It's no coincidence that this fight is on the card and Adesonia has also alluded to it as well. He knows what <laughs> what the plan is, obviously. But, yes, Alex Pereira um, knocked out Sonya very early in his career, though, back in, um, you know, kickboxing days before the UFC. But that's going to be a great fight to watch because both of them, as you say, are fighting to be the number one contender. Don't forget that if that fight is lacklustre, Robert Whittaker is also waiting in the wings uh, for a trilogy chance with Adesanya as well. So those two have a lot on the line if they're to climb the ladder. Alex Pereira's only had two fights in the UFC and he's already being spoken about getting that title chance.
2: Ravinda, which is a shame. I was just going to ask her another question or two about uh, the fight card, but. Um, but uh, I think we'll let, we'll probably leave it, eh? Um, and and uh, we'll, we've got a panel coming up. But uh, that was cool. Uh, Ravinda, very sorry to lose you at that point. But thank you very much for your time this morning. I was just going to ask her what she feels about the fight of the night. But I kind of think it'll be uh, Adesanya and uh, this fight against Canania. I think that's going to be uh, quite crucial there. So, uh, Ravinda Hunia, of, uh, of course, uh, UFC expert and Sky Sport pundit as well. Um, well uh, thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, we'll be back shortly to uh, speak to our two panellists Big
8: Talk, Big Opinions The Panel
2: very pleased to say we're joined by uh, Jamie Wall this morning and uh, Kimberly Downs. And uh, Kimberly Downs will be on show in person, I'm told, this afternoon down there at Sky City, Kimberly. Must be very excited about that, co hosting um, the run home with the Beaver out in the public eye.
8: <coughs> yes, it should be a good time, although I must say at the moment I'm most excited about lunch. Uh, so I don't know what that says about me, but that's. Apparently I'm getting a meal out of this, which is good But no, we are going to be live at Sky City from the All Blacks Experience Which is very distinct, given that it is match day tomorrow Uh, So it should be a fantastic time there I'm looking forward to checking it out actually I haven't been yet, I must say So I might have to get along a little bit early Just so I can get a bit of a feel for it
3: all
2: Yeah, uh, I've uh, seen it from the outside I've I've been guilty of going past it not going in myself So let us know how you feel about it Uh, Jamie Wall, good morning to you Right, uh, here we go. Um, The All Blacks against Ireland. My first question to you, mate, is just how important is this test match to Ian Foster?
9: Morning, Matthew. morning, Kim. This is about as big as it gets, I think, um, in terms of not only the public perception of Foster's uh, coaching tenure so far, but also given the amount of talk yesterday we had about um, a couple of selections, um, which was great, by the way. like You can't accuse him of, uh, of being boring. Um, because it certainly gave us something to talk about. Uh, you know, I'm starting to think now um, how much buy-in does he have from the players themselves? Um, and so we're going to uh, see a very interesting um, situation tomorrow night where you have a Obviously, a very disrupted week um, for for the All Blacks. Uh, probably about as disrupted as as, as, it, as it gets. I was looking back mm. uh, on uh, on the records um, uh, last week, and I think this is about as disrupted as it get, as it's gotten um, since the baby blades back in 1986. And and you've got an Irish team as well that's a little bit banged up from the other night, um, and you know they they've got a few issues of their own. Um, And so it kind of has a bit of a World Cup feel to it, like a knockout stage World Cup where you've gone through uh, your pull stages, you've picked up a few injuries along the way, you've had to force force a few changes in there. Um, And, you know, like you've got the whole Eden Park factor as well. And this is the one test since for as long as I can remember back to when they last lost there that people are thinking like, this could be the one. Um, So, And if and if 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 if, if they lose, if they lose... That's yeah. yet another unwanted milestone that he uh, he's going to have next
2: to his name. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually. Um, and and Kimberley, you, you're you're across how the you know the public feel about this kind of thing. There uh, was Joe Smith called in at the eleventh hour to help out because uh, Ian Foster uh, wasn't able to get to the ground himself. So uh, the Blues players know a little bit about Joe Smith, but the rest of the All Black camp would not uh, have had too much experience with him. So. All of a sudden you see, Kimberly, that all these other names coming around adding to the pressure.
8: You do. I would, give could take slightly, um, I, I have that strong feeling, I suppose, about the public perception of Foster from this just because, I, because in one hand I go, this break for him, all oh, this, public opinion be hugely informed by this, yes, but I also do think that there will be a certain level for the fact that the entire week out was COVID. Like a lot of us, myself included, have have dealt with it, know some of it, um, and that's pretty unpleasant. So I do think that there will be some level of, for him and the situation has found himself in. Saying
1: that,
8: not seeing this or going into this series really high point to public regard. Certainly the Chris- is in rugby final uh, still to help with the chatter and um, who the best coach in the country is now. And he will be into that. Of course he will. Um, I Worth. I can't see losing our own night. I will put my cards on the table now. Yeah. Think that they will get there. The manner in which they will get there, I'm not entirely right now. But you also, like you say, you bring up these other names. I think Joe Smith has been someone that me had been prepared to call on did certainly brad moore spoke about it the other day saying they've had a number of people on their list that they and to call on should a situation like this eventuate i'm not sure uh that they ever thought they would be four coaches down in one week however um they did have that team on the list and that would have been with approval but yes it's really interesting i i did go on to win tomorrow, the public discourse will be very, very interesting.
2: Yeah, it will indeed. Actually, uh, I, I think it's ma- uh, I think it's massive night for him uh, I, I'm with you, um, and Jamie, on that as well. So, uh, I just wonder how do you, how do you think it's going to play out? Scott Barrett at six, uh, a new centre pairing. Jeff uh, Wilson's very confident that uh, because it's Eden Park, that uh, the All Blacks in his mind are firm favourites for this. Uh, is that the way you th- you see it, Jamie?
9: Uh, yeah, I think so. I still think the All Blacks are favourites um, because of the end part factor, and, and you know, not that you'll ever get them to admit it, uh, but they, you know, they obviously feel like it's a bit of a fortress um, when they play there, and it does give them a bit of, um, you know, extra legs um, when they play there, as opposed to Sky Stadium in Wellington, where they've, I think they've only won one game out of their last five um, where they've played there. So. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. Um, I I even think though that a win, if it's not, if it's if it's achieved in a, in, a, in a quite a conservative style, and I think what we might see is if Schmidt ca- has come in, and I don't know how much influence he's going to be able to uh, put on the team within a week. But you know, he's not he's not exactly noted for being the most exciting coach um, in the world, uh, so. Uh, I think that if they were to shut down a game plan and, and, and box kick and, and just simply uh, just play a reactionary game, because they've already made reactionary selections, which is not something the All Blacks do. Why, why you would look at another team and then base your selections around what they're going to bring, that goes completely goes against everything the All Blacks are kind of about. Um, and So hopefully they don't play that way uh, as, as well. Um, so I think that even a win, if it's not achieved in, in, a, in a quite an like, uh, aesthetically pleasing style, there's still going to be pressure on him. But there's going to be pressure on Foster regardless. It's, and it's not because mm. of him as a person, and it's not even because of him because of the coach. It's because of how he got that job. And that's a shame. It's a real shame.
2: Yeah, that is interesting, in fact. Um Kimberly, uh, you've got a prediction. Um, Your line was uh, a little bit troublesome before, but you believe the All Blacks uh, will will prevail tomorrow night, yeah?
8: Yeah, apologies for that one, uh, Smithy and Jamie. I'm not sure 100% what went on there. I was actually hoping you might let me get away with it and then you could just read whatever you wanted into it and agree with me and it would be fine. Um, But no, I, I... I would anticipate that with the weight of history and even taking into account um, that the All Blacks traditionally have a fairly rusty first test of the year, that they will still prevail tomorrow night. The Eden Park factor, Mm. I do think, becomes part of that. Um, And I was just saying as well, and I I think you picked up this part, but, yeah, if if Ireland were to go on to win, the public discourse would be... um, Very, very interesting indeed, although I do think that there might be some level of sympathy, uh, perhaps not forgiveness, given what's at stake, but sympathy in regards to what has gone on in the All Blacks camp through the week. Um, I do also think it's worth bearing in mind that Ireland as well have come out here off the back of a very long local season too. Um, And so whether that has any part to play in it and is a a bit of a factor. I wouldn't call them right for the picking but um, there will be a few exhausted bodies still going through there and so in that regard hopefully um, I would think that the All Blacks might have a bit of an edge. Uh, In saying that I think it'll be very very close Um, and I may find myself eating my words tomorrow and if I am I wouldn't be altogether surprised and it wouldn't (laughs) be the first time.
2: Uh, They're uh, very experienced side islander I, I, I can't pick it, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you I can't pick it with all these disruptions anyway Hey look, we'll take, uh, speaking of um, uh, just interruptions here We'll take a, a little bit of a break from the panel uh, We'll have the news uh, from Araha uh, now And then when we come back we might uh, talk about the Warriors coming home uh, Because that's a, another very big story uh, going around at the moment Big talk,
8: big opinions, the panel
2: Kimberly Downs with us this morning, as is uh, Jamie Wall, and uh, a lot of uh, talk about the Warriors' homecoming. Uh, Jamie, this week, they had a very emotional porphiri uh, to welcome them back to Mount Smart. Uh, ironically, most of them uh, have not seen it before or been on it, which is quite incredible for a home ground. So the way it is, uh, do you think that kind of passion will be enough for the Warriors this week?
9: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm picking up a big Warriors win. Uh, in this one, which is, I, I think, the first time I've said that in, well, certainly this season <laughs> anyway. And, you know, uh, we've made a lot of comments, made a lot of jokes, made a lot of, um, you know, snide remarks this year about the Warriors uh, on the show. Uh, you know, I feel like I, I was doing it every week, was trying to come up with a new gag to, to sort of talk about the Warriors. But it, this is special and it's important. And I think. The fact that this game has been sold out, I think the emotion that you just alluded to before um, when the team um, arrived back, and I think that the absolute uh, display of passion and, and fervor that's going to greet that team when they run out on the field for the first time, when they run out on Mount smart for the first time for you know, almost three years, uh, you can't deny just how important that is for the game of rugby league. Uh, in New Zealand, and not just rugby league, just as a sporting event and as a social a community event as well. We we had a magnificent uh, game uh, event uh, last last weekend when the Kiwis played Tonga. Uh, amazing crowd there, um, and we get to do it again uh, this weekend. Um, I guess you know the, the, the Tigers haven't been travelling um, that well. They've got a role to play, and this is to be the Washington Generals to the to the Warriors, uh, Harlem Globetrotters um I Mm. I feel like the the, there's going to be so many uh so much uh enthusiasm from the Warriors players to sort of play their part in this game you know to be the one who scores a try to be the one who gets the crowd on their feet um to make a big hit uh and and if you're not motivated um to be doing that on an occasion like this because really like this is this is a one of a kind not just for the for the fans but for the players as well you don't you can play Grand Finals and, and, and or State of Origin and, and things like that. Like, they will come and – you can do that more than once. But you only get the opportunity to do something like this once in your whole life. Uh, so I think that the motivation around that is going to be fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy that, uh, that they're back and that, you know, while, like I said, while it's been just obviously just a crazy season um, for them, um, this is going to be something really special.
2: Over a thousand days, Kimberley, a thousand days uh, since they've um, been anywhere near Mount Smart Stadium. Um, th- those were the ones that uh, were, were in the squad actually when they were playing last time around. Then, since then, the squad has changed uh, markedly, of course, with all sorts of goings on. But a thousand days away and uh, a sellout crowd. It should be uh, absolutely special. On a power, I imagine, with Eden Park.
8: It should be. In fact, I'm really interested to see uh, what the atmosphere is like as both. Well, see if we can do any comparisons. But I would just say as well, if the Warriors can't get up for this game, then write them off for the rest of the season. This, like honestly, if you if you cannot get up for a game of this magnitude with this much emotion behind it, then that's it. I, I'm with Jamie. I think they will. And I hope that they will, for the sake of that club, and the sake of the 25,000 odd fans who are going to be there cheering them on, uh, who haven't got to see them play at home for, like you say, more than 1,000 days, 1,038 to be precise. So I really hope they do get up. I think it'll be be very demoralizing if they can't. And there are other such great stories in there as well. Sean Johnson, for example, I only found out this week, hasn't actually played at Mount Smart for in the NRL since 2018. Never played there for the Sharks, even before COVID, and then obviously since COVID hit. So that in itself will be a lot of emotion. You know, the little general, Stacey Jones, surely they can do it for him at that ground and for that team that is so that he is so passionate about. So I think it'll be a heck of an occasion Um, one that we have all been waiting for for such a long time, not least the players. I hope that they take a moment. I I think one of, I I heard the suggestion a week ago that, you know, maybe even they come out a bit early just to soak in what will no doubt be an incredible atmosphere and just Mm. to, in a way, to give back to the fans a little bit in in that way. You know, do your warm-ups out on the field. Just let these fans who have been starved of NRL get the chance to bask in it for a little longer. And, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed they can mark the occasion with a big win that can help give their season a massive boost because it needs
2: it. It certainly does. It certainly does. league needs a, a big boost, actually. So a double header of uh, the magnitude of the last two weeks will be absolutely special. Uh, if I've got any kind of form like Ryan Fox, Jamie, uh, they'll be happy. He's uh, just blowing the lights out at the moment. Uh, third last week, uh, Irish Open overnight, leading at eight under, um, up to 56 in the world. I mean, and this is a guy who we were talking to last year, couldn't get home, was frustrated about the whole deal. Uh, how the world has changed for Ryan Fox?
9: Absolutely, and it's, it's fantastic to see. Um, you know, New Zealand Golf's uh, at a bit of a purple patch at the moment with, um, obviously, Ryan... Doing really well today, and we had Lydia Coe the other week, and Stephen Elkers, who seems to have reinvented himself as a, you know the master of the seniors um, tour. But yeah, it's, uh, it was great. Uh, the Irish Open um, that Fox is, is leading was uh, I think he had what was it eight birdies and for a 64, mm. um, and and, yeah. and seven in the last eleven holes. And and that, that's that's a guy who you know obviously knows um, you know to get it done uh, at the business end. So. It's awesome to see him out there, uh, you know, not just plugging away on the tour, but actually having some great success out there because he's a guy that hopefully one time we're going to be chatting about um, during a major, you know, tuning in in the morning and thinking like, hey, this guy's in contention to win something really big here. Uh, I I hope Mm. it's going to happen pretty soon um, because he's worked so hard. And and like you said, it hasn't been easy for him, um, but he's, he's... he's out there representing us and uh, he deserves all the credit that comes his way.
2: Yep. And uh, all the money as well. And he's doing it uh, in the conventional way, not the LIV way. Uh, that, that brings mm. me to an interesting point uh, in terms of golf as well. Uh, Kimberly, uh, Lydia Coe um, getting married. Uh, I mean, I read the story and I thought, yeah, really? I had no idea that this was pending. Did you?
8: Um, no, can't say I do have not been across that. That is, um, no, that is a miss, but, hey, that's what it is, right? That's life. And I think probably what you you might be surprised by, and most people, is because we probably all still like to think that Lydia's, you know, we still have her in our, in our minds as this 16-year-old prodigy, don't we? So you go, what? Married? And I think it probably just shows how much we've all uh, aged without, without wanting to recognise it more than anything, because uh, she is, you know, no longer the teen prodigy. She is... You know, a full grown-up as she has been for a long time now and just wish her the best, really.
2: Yeah, I wish her the best, uh, too, as well. Uh, It was interesting news. You just thought, um, because of uh, how we know Lydia, it was just golf, 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 golf. Uh, But apparently Lydia's life, 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 life. And, of course, we know, too, that uh, she wants to be out of the game in her early 30s as well. Hey, listen, thanks very much uh, to Jamie uh, Wall and to Kimberly Downs. Kimberly, of course, will be uh, at Sky City later this afternoon. To both of you, have a great weekend. It's a feast of sport, and uh, we can... Uh, look forward to it. I think with uh, real relish uh, all the action that's coming up. But uh, it's ten forty-three. Uh, we'll be back shortly. A text in from Neil that said, "Hi Ian, uh, we also need to keep an eye on this young New Zealand Kiwi golfer on the Ladies' Second Tour in Europe." And uh, the golfer he's referring to is Mamoka Kaburi. Mamoka Kaburi was uh, educated at Rangiora High School, spent some time at Pepperdine College in the United States, and is currently in the lead. Uh, in the Haute de France Pard de Calais Golf Open, uh, she shot uh, four under 69 and uh, she leads uh, along with Patricia Isabel Schmidt. Uh, so uh, they're the leaders over. We'll keep an eye on her career. Uh, didn't know too much about her, but uh, finding more out as we go along. Malka Kabori, uh, representing New Zealand in golf overseas. Uh, a few texts have come in as well. Hey, Smithy, is it the horse's birthday today or did they get changed? No, I think it is. We'll confirm that with Louis very shortly, John. I'm pretty sure 1st of August, uh, they all turn another year over, just like that. Uh, and and uh, Kerry's come in. Uh, it'll be Kerry for a minute or two. I would imagine. If the Warriors lose, will all the excuses come out again? Yeah, of course they will. Of course they will, Kerry. We're not going to take that uh, lying down. There'll be excuses, no problem at all. Uh, and uh, we'll go on from Grant. Grant says, Louis should be given longer than one minute. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy. His tipping percentage is pretty awesome. Grant from the Tron, we're going to grant your wish. We'll take a short break, and Louie will be back in the end of that. The
4: 1054 Love racing.
6: here NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest
3: fan.
2: Yes, it's now 10:55 here on SCNZ, and an uppercut for me because uh, Barry's pointed out quite rightfully. So the horses actually turn uh, another year older on the first of August, and tomorrow or today is actually the first of July. So we're a little bit uh, a month premature, and wishing them all a happy birthday. Having said that, uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us now. He's already been busy um, in the. Uh, Sky City already, um, and uh, done three-hour shift there, and uh, we can talk about the races today, Louis, because there are some running around in New Plymouth on a heavy 10.
4: Yeah, heavy 10, and the mail says race three, number four, Fleming wins at his first start for Alan Sharrick. Um, $3.00 into 2 40 now. This morning I thought it might start at 3 40 but I can't really see the punters not climbing into this one more so. Don't know what else they'll come in back. You never really know. Um, but it would need to be something, and pretty soon. Otherwise, it might get closer to odds on. There's a Robbie Patterson runner, but it's drifting, telling me that they're not necessarily confident. And they would have... A lot of these horses in the you see each other, especially at New Plymouth here. They get to gallop around each other, so they know. They would know. And Fleming is taking a lot of cash. And then it's really at Talks Bay tomorrow... And, uh, look, actually, there's another there's another runner that Alan Sharrock has in. Alan Sharrick has in, and, uh, it, look, it was huge in Wellington. And we've been waiting for it to come back to the races. I just need to find it, find what race we're in. Ladies' Man is the name of the horse. And it went massive um, first up in Trentham, And I just... Just cannot put a life in what what race, is it. but it is a really talented galloper. Um, well, here we go, race number four. Same against Serio, 240, 250. And serio won really well here last time, but Ladies' Man was so big from a position could never have won from a few weeks back on a real heavy Trentham track, so it gets through the heavy, not a drama at all. Shouldn't have got close, and then just missed by diving on the line. Closely related to uh, a horse L1 the East Auckland Cup with. So race four tomorrow, ladies' man, should be winning, I reckon.
2: What about the, the uh, McDougal-Nelson stable? Are they going to go big, in, uh, you reckon, tomorrow?
4: Yeah, 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 I do. I really do. So jumps are back on. I mean, the Cossacks got to carry 73, but it's a dollar fifty five, and back over the hurdles. I mean... Dr. Hank has been really impressive, was last start at Waikato hurdles, but, I mean, isn't the Cossack just different gravy? So, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it, but carrying 50, 73, six kegs more than Dr. Hank, but I just don't really see Dr. Hank being able to stop him. Um, and, yeah, the Nelson McDougal combines they've just been so good this season, and every season, really, Smithy, so uh, you have to suggest that they're going to be really hard to stop as well, and um, Mrs Twinkletoes, Emily Far, Bob Ortridge. We want Mr. Mrs Twinkletoes to be able to get up in the main steeple for the late Toby So It was such a sad story. So uh, I like I like Mrs Twinkletoes with Emily Far over the line. And no tip with Sean Phelan as well. I think it can bounce back and win in race six in the steeple chase.
2: Louis, you have a great weekend, mate. Thank you very much. We'll get Thanks. straight across to uh, his, history-making. Pip Morris, congratulations uh, yesterday, Pip. Absolutely fantastic. So happy for you. Uh, did you enjoy the experience? Good
6: morning, Smitty. Thank you very much. Yeah, I certainly did. I was a little bit nervous to start, I'm not going to lie, but sound like I felt like I found my feet halfway through the programme, and yeah, it was really nice to get that underway and looking forward to the next meeting.
2: Well, uh, they're running around at, uh, today um, in the cargo, of course. Um, and I guess we've got some rugby markets uh, coming to the fore at for the TAB as well.
6: Oh, we certainly do. And, of course, that nice bonus that play-in, too. To you can back the All Blacks. And if they were to lose, you can get a $100 bonus bet up to $100 in your account. And there's a couple of nice bets there, including that $10,000 multi on the All Blacks. And Australia both to win the smithy at $19,000 and adjust quickly to... A couple of bets are on the UFC: a thousand dollars on Adesanya by KO PKO PKO at 270. And there's a nice bonus bet promotion around the UFC as well. You can get involved, place a to kids, bet through your TAB account on selected UFC fights, and if your fighter loses by points, we'll refund your bet up to fifty dollars as a bonus bet. So, here's we can of sport and go deal way.
2: Yep, go the All Blacks and go Pip Morris. Thank you very much. We'll be back uh, after the news with Araha.
10: Thank you, New Zealand,
0: for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Yep, and it's uh, 11.03 here on SENZ and it's time to talk the Warriors homecoming again. We've been uh, highlighting it, but we've uh, got a a slightly different twist to it now with our next guest because uh, they're playing the West Tigers at Mount Smart Stadium uh, this Sunday. We know that. It's a sellout crowd. It marks the return home to the franchise for 1,000 days away. 1,000 days away and the squad of the players, some with 50-odd games, have never played a genuine Warriors home game. So Sunday, is their chance, and here to dive deep into the diary of a mad Warriors fan. This is our chance here in studio with us today our brethren from SEN in Melbourne and host of Warriors Anonymous podcast, Gerard Cronin. Uh, Gerard, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Welcome home, mate. I can see you there smiling. have got a smile on your face, it's because they haven't played yet. Uh, <laughs> mate, you, look, here's, here's the thing. Yeah, I mean you've hopped on a, a plane. Um, you know, hard-earned hard money you've got to spend on this. They're languishing fifth in the table. I've got to say, mate,
0: why? Why? Yeah, look, you've got to you got you to gotta ask yourself why you do these sorts of things, uh, especially for this season, which has been, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't even say a roller coaster. It's just been a, a just a straight drop. Um, but look, <laughs> it's it's one of those things, Smithy. I've, I just felt it in my soul. There was something calling me to come home. I haven't actually been home uh, myself in about three years. Um, so I just felt like the, the timing was right to come and, come and really support the boys. I know that um, usually uh, you know, we wonder you know, what our warriors can do for us, but I was more thinking, what can I do for our warriors? So uh, I had to make the trip. Uh, I had to come back and wow. uh, have to come and lend a, a lung uh, uh, to the, the sidelines. Have you ever, at any stage, during this, uh, uh, this avid romance
2: you appear to have with them, at any stage of your fear to break up? Do you ever think at some stage, no, I've got to find, uh, I've got to find a, new, a new team?
0: I haven't quite gotten to that point. And I think that from having supported them from day one, I don't think I'll get to that point. Because we've been through enough stuff to just sort of think, okay, this is actually going to be uh, a long term. I mean, this is going to be for life. So, um, so that's basically that's where I stand at the moment. I've, uh, you know, obviously, um, I've kind of gone through patches where, you know, you get a bit annoyed and you need to put them on a bit of a timeout, and maybe you just kind mm. of shut off from uh, watching any sort of highlights or or, uh, or interviews or or just don't think about things, you know, maybe until the next week. But um, what I have actually found is that doing a podcast for me is has made um, it's just made therapy um, for for the games, you know. And it, it becomes you know exactly like that. It was like a support group between me and the boys. We'd be chatting through the games, and it's like, look, man, let's let's get together and have a chat about this, and you know, air our uh, our, our frustrations, our sadnesses, and everything. Uh, because you know there's a lot of that that's that's every week so um so yeah it's, it's been a good way to just you know get around each other and um and, and and it has resonated i guess with people as well who who are feeling the same sort of uh, emotions
2: you, you mean there's more of you
0: uh, how <laughs> successful is this podcast i mean how how, how, how big is this following oh mate this podcast is going all the way to the top uh, it's a long way from it at the moment. <laughs> Just like the Warriors, <laughs> you know, we're going with uh, the we're going with the buy low, <laughs> sell high sort of uh, mentality. But uh, <laughs> brilliant, well, boy, we are from loyal the, hey, to the bitter end, mate. <laughs>
2: how, how many jerseys you got? Because I've had about ninety five thousand. How many have you got?
0: <laughs> oh look, I um, I this is going to sound very shameful. I don't actually have any at the moment. So um, I used to have um, I used to have one of those um, Super League ones. Back in the days, which was uh, very oversized, um, but currently I don't have any. I don't have any Warriors stuff, and I don't want to put the pressure on um, Puma, who are the Warriors sponsor. But hey, um, you know, if, if there's ever any sort of you know sponsorship or endorsement deal you want to throw out, we are more than happy to to receive your goods. Um, we were actually a bit annoyed because uh, we heard earlier in the season that Peter Leach, the Mad Butcher, Sir Peter Leach, the Mad Butcher, he actually has to pay for all of his Warriors gear, and I don't think that's right. I think for, uh, for a guy of his stature and his following, um, I think that you know, they should be giving him the goods. But he, he, he probably wouldn't accept it. He, he, he said, no, no, I'll make sure I pay for my stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I just didn't think that sat right with me. So, um, so I'm, I'm just going to put it out there that, you know, that the Mad Butcher should be, should be getting some stuff.
2: Okay, fair enough. He can afford it though, mate, but just between you and I. He can, he, he can afford it. Hey, uh, favourite ever, favourite ever, Warrior? Favorite, I mean, we had a, uh, a Mount Rushmore during the week. In other words, we're, uh, we have this uh, best four sort of thing, and we had the best four Australians who had made an impact at the Warriors, and Steve Price was top of the poll, uh, Kevin Campion, of course, Brandy Alexander was in there. But your all-time favourite Warrior?
0: Easy. His name is Ali Lawitidi. Okay. Yeah, we actually uh, we spoke wow. to him a couple of weeks ago. Um and uh, actually his um his his first name his full first name is actually Alai Matangi um So, uh we we just uh, we've we've put that out there to the universe that uh you know Ali is the the abbreviated version of his uh first name, but yeah, Alai Matangi is his, uh, is his real first name. So, he's an awesome guy. Gave us some great great stuff, some awesome stories about uh, you know team the team traveling away, and which guys um you know were were operating on one pair of undies <laughs> for their trips um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's hes he 's awesome awesome guy you know they say never meet your heroes, but uh that doesn 't apply for Ali because he is he' is every much uh you know every bit as awesome um off the field as he was on it.
2: We're talking to Gerard Cronin, folks. Uh, he is a New Zealander, spent uh, a lot of time recently in Australia, of course. He is the host of the Warriors Anonymous podcast. Uh, but uh, being Melbourne-based as well, uh, it might have hurt a wee bit with that result against the Storm. How did you cope with that one?
0: Oh, look, uh, sorry, I just need to correct you there. I'm actually um, Sydney-based. Oh? I'm over in... Uh, oh,
2: sorry. Well, it's my information that I've been, been given. Wrong, sorry, mate. Robin, okay.
0: Tell there. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm over yeah. in uh, Rugby League HQ, so... I like to think of myself as the uh the New Zealand Warriors sleeper cell. So, I'm in there just got my finger okay. on the pulse. I'm um, chatting to all the, you know, the insiders just seeing what's going on. So, I'm I'm the the guy on the inside just giving the info back.
2: Okay, right. I'll, I'll rephrase my question. <laughs> what's it like living in Sydney when the storm beat the Warriors to that extent? How, how did you take that that particular result?
0: Oh, yeah, not well. Uh that was one of those weeks where I sort of had to maybe just draw back a little bit. Um, because uh, I guess the scary thing about that game was we actually played really well for a half, and we still got seventy points put on us. So um, I had to, yeah, that, that was definitely one of those um, moments where a bit of PTSD sort of set in for the few days following it. And you know, you could sort of <laughs> see, uh, you could actually see like the, the the Aussie guys in the office actually taking pity on you and sort of being like, oh, you know. Hard luck, man. Like ordinarily, they're getting into you and giving you grief, uh, but things were so bad that they had gone to the point where they're actually, you know, feeling sympathy for you, which is probably even worse than getting grief, to be honest.
2: <laughs> okay, right. If they went on on uh, the weekend, you're going to be over the moon happy. There's no doubt about that. Just say it isn't working out for them too well. Just say at around the 60 minute mark, uh, it might not look too good. Will you stay? Will you stay?
0: A hundred percent, I'll stay because that'll be the time that we need to kick in. That's when the fans need to do the thing. I've been been wondering about what we can do as fans. Obviously, we're going to be packing the park, but I think that's just the start of it. I think we really need to find something to try and lift the boys, try and really get them home, especially if they are struggling, because I know there's a lot on their shoulders with this whole homecoming sort of uh, setup. up. So mm. it's, it's, it's going to be, I think we actually have a, a major role to play as fans. So... If we can just really, you know, ramp up the volume, ramp up the energy, um, you know, have a couple of quiets on the sideline and maybe a a Fritz's wiener as well. That'd be nice. But uh, but we really need to, you know, energize our boys and and just get them home, get them across the line, because it really is a a loser takes all battle this week, because whoever doesn't uh, get the chocolates is probably going to be getting some sort of spoon later on.
2: I know we've been joking a little bit about uh, this kind of thing, um, Gerard. But what's been the most frustrating thing this year, from your point of view? I mean, has it been administration? Has it been, um, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff as much as the on-the-field stuff?
0: It has been the uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, and you you start hearing phrases like, you know, it starts at the top, and that's never a good thing to hear because you know things aren't going well if you're hearing those sorts of things. But um, I think that the way things have panned out, especially with like the Matt Lodge saga, that was an absolute train wreck of, of an, ev- of events. Um, and just seeing how things have been operating and the coaching setup, um, and even the levels above that, I'm not entirely, uh, I guess around exactly what people are filling, which roles, um, at the Warriors, but, uh, but there's, I think there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be worked on behind the scenes, which will, you know, hopefully flow on to what we're doing on the field. Obviously, we've got a new um, coach coming up at some point, hopefully sort of to kick in next year and maybe try and get a bit of a a rebirth going as such. But um, I think, yeah, there's been a lot of fans getting annoyed with, I guess, a a lot of mixed messages from what's going on. Uh, And you think back to the the Lodge saga, and it was all really sort of, um, it was all really papered over and badly papered over, to be honest. It was just Mm. a lot of, uh, you know, we sort of uh, wish Matt all the best, blah, blah, blah. By the way, we're going to pay him, you know, seven hundred grand for this year and Mm. the remainder of uh, 2023. So, uh, you know, fans fans know, you know, they they know a few things. So when they kind of get spoon-fed just the general PR sort of stuff, it doesn't really wash with us. We want to know, you know, what's going on. If something's gone, you know, drastically wrong, we want to know about it because, frankly, if we don't get told... We're just going to speculate, and that's uh, you know while that's fun, um, it's it's not ideal for um, for us as fans or for the club and and their image.
2: So Stacey Jones is the interim coach till the end of the season, regardless, Uh, and then looking for a new candidate as you've just mentioned. What is the kind of coach that the the Warriors need? Do you see an obvious uh, an obvious person there standing right in front
0: of you as such? Well, yeah. Look, um, I don't. I actually have heard a lot of different opinions of what sort of coach we need. A lot of people are saying we need someone, you know, tough as nails, can come in and just, you know, bang the desk and say boys let's get this done and, you know, stop mucking around. Other people have been wanting more of a creative kind of approach and names like the the Walker brothers get thrown out by certain fans. For me, I am actually really open-minded about who they get. I wouldn't mind if they get a, a premiership winning coach like a Shane Flanagan. I also wouldn't mind if they get a, a complete newbie who comes in, an unknown. I just really want to see someone who can just get a response from our players. And I always think back to the most successful teams that we've had at the Warriors, uh, and that's been under guys like Daniel Anderson and Ivan Cleary. Both guys who had come up, mm. they were newbies to you know the head coaching roles. Uh, I'm not saying that we necessarily need a newbie, um, but what I'm saying is that, you know, there's, there's plenty of experienced coaches out there, which would be great. Um, there's plenty of, um, of new coaches, promising coaches out there as well who, who would also be great. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I, I am very open-minded about how they approach uh, the new coach that they bring in. I just, I just want to see them get something out of our boys because for long parts of this season, it just hasn't been the case. They haven't really gotten anything out of us and, um, you know, things have not gone exactly to plan.
2: OK, so uh, I guess we've basically, uh, we haven't written off this game, but probably written off this season. That would that, would that uh, cloud your judgment on Stacey Jones at all? Um, Stan uh, taking over the role uh, at short notice and, uh, and uh, have any uh, bearing on, on how you regard him as such?
0: Not really. Um, I think he's come in, I actually think he's done a pretty good job in the brief time that he's been in charge. I like the changes that he's made over the couple of weeks um, when he's been able to do so, uh, especially this week where they've you know put you and Aiken back out in the centres, which I've been I've actually been secretly dreaming for uh, dreaming of that all year, uh, because we have been struggling out wide. We've got a, a number of good sort of second row um, forwards going on, but just putting a guy like that out wider um, with a bit more defensive nelson and a little bit more on attack as well, I think is going to help us. But in, in general, I like what Stacey has done. He's he's actually shown us a little bit of progress. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of a spark there. You see a couple of little moments even against the Panthers. I know we lost by forty, but uh, we you know we had a couple of moments where Reese Walsh was running off uh, the shoulder of young Ronald Volkman uh, and and just showing a little bit of life. There's a little bit of spark there. So I like that Stacey has brought that in. I'm not entirely sure um, you know if he will be the guy to you know look. Longer term, uh, both from his perspective or the clubs, um, but I mean, like I say, I, I am kind of open to anything. If you know, if Stacey wants to lead them on a on a good, solid eight match winning run, then uh, you know, all bets may be off from there. But uh, but you know, we can but dream.
2: I'm hearing a rumor. Uh, text has just come through that maybe Eden Fanuah Blake might have COVID. So I, I don't. I've seen. I just see that. I'm just saying. I'm just hearing a rumor. It's come through on on the text machine. and I'm uh-huh. not sure. We're we're looking into the validity of that as we speak. Jared, uh, are you in corporate uh, corporate boxing on uh, on the weekend or
0: in with in the mass? I'm actually going to be in the um, the corporate box with the SENZ team. So. Um, oh yeah, nice. excited to uh, to go and check it out. I haven't actually, I haven't even been to the corporate box at uh, Mount Smart Stadium before, so uh, so interested to see how that's going to be. I have heard that there's going to be uh, no glassware this week, so uh, <laughs> so that's a bit of a shame. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we will make sure I'm on my uh, my best behaviour. Uh, and I guess uh, I'm not sure how it's set up. If we if we're in the corporate box, does that mean we just have to just yell a bit louder or something to try and get the sound out of the out of the booth there?
2: You have to le- yell politely <laughs> if you get my drift. <laughs> yell politely. Because no you're representing us. You're representing us, of course, Gerard, okay? So none of those scuffles, no problems like <laughs> they had last week if they can possibly manage that. That would be great. Hey, mate, uh, thank you very much for your time. I, I know you're a busy lad. You've got a lot of people to catch up with, etc. Hope you enjoyed the trip home. Uh, hope you get success out of the Warriors, more importantly, and uh, have a safe trip back to Sydney where you live now, and I know that as well. So <laughs> thanks for joining us, mate. All
0: the best. Mate, thanks very much for your time, and, uh, you know, as I always say, go the Warriors!
2: <laughs> oh my God! You could be—if if, I mean—if if nothing else, you could be uh, the new Mad Butcher. I mean, that was just so close. Go, go, go! It's eleven it's nineteen here on SENZ, and that was Gerard Cronin from Sydney. It is uh, eleven twenty-four here on SENZ, and every week at uh, this time, uh, being Friday, we uh, delve into the greyhound industry just a little bit more deeply. And uh, this morning. Uh, we're talking to uh, yet another personality, a fox and trainer, uh, Gary Fredrickson. Gary, good morning to you.
11: Hey, Smithy, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm really cool, man. Uh, you train in partnership uh, with uh, Sandra, uh, of course, but you're you're only relatively new on the block. What what got you uh, into greyhounds, man?
11: Yeah, well, we were um, very much dairy farmers, thirty-four years dairy farming, and uh, we were we were striving hard in that industry to be fair and. Uh, uh, like a lot of a lot of people in that industry, sort of burnout caught up with me a little bit. And running big dairy farms for corporations, and then having our own farm and stuff, um, it was my wife that actually said, "You're done. You've had enough of this. You've, you really are struggling, you know." And um, I never ever thought I'd leave the industry, and uh, always had a passion for racing. Um, so, and it was always my dream to train. So um, yeah, we took the took the punt, so to speak, and uh, and went on a completely different venture.
2: I mean, you you did really well uh, at times. Of course, I know it was a it's a tough battle mentally and physically, but uh, you were a finalist It's uh, New Zealand Sheer Mo- New Zealand shear milkers of the year. So you had some good times there.
11: Oh, yeah, no, they were all very good. Uh, we used to run farms for uh, Paraninahi Waitotra, a big Maori corporation in Taranaki, and we were held in really high esteem. Um, but I think uh, I'm just somebody that just drives extremely hard, and just years and years and years of doing that and running to a really high standard, it, it just catches up with you after a while. And, uh and even the the simple things um, become a challenge after a while. And, and Sandra could see that. my wife and said um, you mm-hmm. you really need to to turn a page now and um, and we need to venture out into, into something what well, we thought was going to be a little easier, but it turned out it's nowhere nowhere near um, as easy as we thought to, to do the greyhound game properly takes a, a heck of a lot of devotion and, and time as as does the dairy industry.
2: Gary, tell us a wee bit about your operation, uh, the size of it, et cetera.
11: Yeah, we've got about 50 dogs here now. Um, we started on the, on the dairy farm training a couple of dogs, and we took to it really well, actually, and, and had success, and two turned into four and eight and ten, and now we're, we're sort of happy at this sort of 50 number. We've got a, a race shed of about 30, and then we've got uh, always got uh, one or two litters on the go, and and a couple of broodies and and two or three dogs waiting to go through the gap program or the the great mates program the retirement program so yeah that's that's sort of, that's us in a nutshell.
2: In terms of uh, the the crop that you've got at the moment um, and um, the kennel, uh, what are you what are your best uh, candidates? Your best dogs going around at the moment?
11: Well, we've just had a nice litter. Um, we, we use the prefix high view um, on our dogs and we've had uh, a litter out of box of fluffies that are, are moving through the grades quite nicely. Um, high view Jess, high view Radar, high view Toby, high view Moose um, and high view Bruce. They uh, they all look like they've got ability and uh, they're starting to find their levels now so I think the winds won't come as readily as they, they are. We've got... Uh, uh, a couple of nice imports, but to be fair, they've, they've been going around a while now, so um, we've, we've got a nice one called uh, Kyalinga that's just come in from Australia. He looks promising. He's probably one to watch out for in the, uh, in the future. And, um, yeah, so now we've, and, and we've got another high-view litter um, out of making time, um, a litter of nine, which all made the, the track and all racing really well, which, which raced well week in and week out for us. So, yeah, we're, we're actually in a nice position at the moment. We've got a, a, a nice mixture of, of, of higher-quality dogs plus some, some really nice younger dogs coming through.
2: Gary you said before it, it's a lot more commitment than perhaps you were looking for initially but uh, you've warmed to it now uh, I mean uh, you've got Manua too, just up the road of course um, but apart from that the next nearest one I think in the North Island might well be somewhere like Cambridge so I mean hell of a lot of travelling man.
11: It is it's uh, it's a huge amount of travelling and travelling can be really tiring as well even um, I mean we'll get Hattrick up and running too which is 50 minutes away but you know, you do a you do a, a Friday night at Hattrick and with a dozen or you know eight or ten dogs or whatever, and by gee, the next morning it it feel like you've had a night on the yeah. piss to be fair. It's uh, it, it, it's quite an undertaking. <laughs> um, you, you, you have that sort of hug over feeling. It's like holy hell. Um, yeah. So no, it is it, it the, the travelling and of course we'll we'll do Eddington, um in, a, in about a 48-hour period, you know, so that, that's sort of 16 hours travelling, you know, and plus the ferry crossing and stuff. So, yeah, it can really it can really suck it out of you, and time management's really good. We've just got uh, a young trainer, Sammy Phillips, start with us, um, and she's training a few dogs out of here now, which is really good because she took a few dogs to Waikato yesterday, which has um, really taken the load off me having to travel around all the time.
2: Yeah, Gary, um, ownership's a, a big thing in, in the racing industry, of course, and uh, you, uh, I understand, we have got a, a pretty good and well-known owner in uh, Vaughan Clark, who used to be a, a TAB bookie here in New Zealand, now living in Melbourne, so he's a bit of a stakeholder for you?
11: Yeah, he is. He's, um, Vaughan and I, um, we've actually never met physically, but um, we've, we just have hit it off from day one, and uh, and uh, we go through this racing journey together ourselves. That would be the best way to describe it. And we have our highs and lows. And uh, he, he's great. He totally gets racing, and, and the, the um, you know the, the outcomes. That we, we've got one or two really nice dogs over here that that have been mm. troubled with injury, but then we've we've got like Hinter Mint who came over as a, a bargain basement buy, and he ran fourth in the Derby. So. Yeah, he's great. He he, um, he. We we really try and take a proactive approach to racing, and and um, and he does. He supplies some some wonderful, talented dogs into the kennel, and and uh, he he's a real shot in the arm for our kennel. That's for sure.
2: Well, Gary, it's been great catching up with you. I must say, uh, it's been uh, for me anyway a, a real learning process about the industry week by week, and you've added a lot more to that. And I thank you for that. Uh wish you all the best, uh, both you and Sandra, with with what's coming up, and uh, let's hope the kennel uh, prospers with uh, those high views. We'll keep an eye on those from uh, now on. Trevor Wells, stay safe. Thank you.
11: Thanks, Matty.
2: Cheers. Cheers. Uh, 11.31 here on SENZ. Gary Fredrickson, uh, Foxton Greyhound trainer. Of course, uh, we heard about 30-plus years uh, in the dairy industry uh, taking a real swing in terms of uh, life direction. Uh, are now heavily invested, and uh, he has uh, a wonderful uh, passion too for animal welfare and uh, a wonderful setup too at his property in Foxton. Uh, It's a little bit after 11.30. We'll be back uh, very shortly with uh, the opportunity to win for the weekend for you, 0800 150 811. Uh, Get on the blower. You can win some TAB uh, vouchers and, of course, some sleep drops as well. In the meantime, here's Aroha with the news.
9: Ian Smiths had a good
1: match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, one of the best to ever do it. And uh, today it is time for Stumped by Smithy, the uh, the game where you have your chance to win fifty dollar TAB bonus bet plus some Sleep Drops daytime revive there. New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Uh, joining us at the crease today from Tauranga, we have Craig. Are you there, Craig? Here I am. Good morning. Good morning, hey uh, Smithy. How are you feeling today about uh, stumped here, Steve?
2: Um, so I'm I've, I've trying to I'm trying to switch on it. What are we back to fifty bucks? eh? so. I was hoping to get it up to two hundred, but fifty dollars is still worth winning. So uh, yeah, um, I'd be happy if Craig had it. He's a regular contributor to the to the show and to the station, so I wouldn't begrudge him a, a win. But I'll be doing him no favors, Brian. Put it that way. What about what are our subjects today, please? What are, what have you lined us up with?
1: Okay, subjects for Craig to choose from today are baseball, major league soccer, and netball at the Commonwealths. What would you like to go with, Craig?
11: Not many
4: of those are my Um, uh, favourites. I'm going to go the theory of trying to pick something Smithy doesn't know because I don't
0: know much about any of those, so i go with
1: baseball. Baseball. All right, let's get going. Mm. Just a quick uh, mention of producer Logan here. Hope you're feeling better, man. Uh, Thank you for the questions. These are from uh, our main producer, Loges. So here we go. First question, Craig. Let me turn that hot key down. Okay, the New York Yankees currently lead the East. Which team is last in the division? Um, oh. oh, can't quite hear you. Craig, what was that, mate? Oh, I well, oh, it's static. We're or, or hearing a static, Craig. We might have to go to the next caller. You can't get that line clear. Yeah, can you hear me now? That is much better. Could you, could you uh, give us that answer again, please? Oh, I
11: just I just said Baltimore. Um, I don't even know
10: what they're called. Uh, Orioles or something?
1: In the slot, So, man, I had the key down, but you are right. Ah, uh-huh, nice. Yeah, Baltimore. That's Baltimore beautiful. Orioles.
2: They are struggling. They really are struggling. The Orioles. So, yeah, good call. Did, uh, well done, Craig.
1: Did you know that one, Smithy? No,
2: yeah. I, I would have. I would have gone for them because they played them the other day and beat them. So the Yankees beat them the other day. So uh, I, I think I, they would have been the one closest to my mind. So I might have flicked it. But, however, question two. <laughs> oh, right. Good of
1: those. Uh, question number <laughs> two. Which team does All-Star pitcher Justin Verlander play for? Oh, um, yesterday, Yeah, don't, I yesterday. Um, let go with yesterday, the Twins. You going with, with the Twins?
9: Yeah, I'll go with the Twins. One of the worst things I have ever seen.
2: And it's gone through to the fair. keeper.
1: Yesterday, he pitched yesterday.
2: Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Um, Houston Astros, Houston Astros.
3: That's a couple of chips down no, no oh, oh, right the way. Oh, it's back to the pavilion, Dave. Appreciate your call, mate. Good. No worries,
2: ketchup. Yeah. He, yeah, they got up yesterday. I think he, he not a no-hitter, but a he, he, uh, zero-run game. So, uh, yeah, Justin Verlander, he is one hell of a pitcher. Man, is he powerful. So, yeah, got that one.
1: Beauty, beauty. So, uh, last up for his shot at glory with one question is Ryan from Christchurch. How how are you feeling, mate? Not confident at all. <laughs> we like that on a Friday. It could be 100 bucks for the people on Monday, Smithy. Uh, your yeah. question. Who leads Major League Baseball in home runs this season? Oh, God.
11: Um, I have no idea. Nah, I'll say Mike Trout. One of the worst things I have ever
9: seen done on a team. And it's
1: through to the keeper.
2: That's a hell of a call though, Mike Trout from the Angels. Uh, It's a great call. I'm going to have a crack at uh, the judge, Aaron Judge from the y- Yankees right fielder. How about
1: that? Well done, Smithy.
2: Well, that's not a bad way to uh, to finish the week, Ryan. Uh, Apologise for that. No, uh, I don't know too many baseball um, um, batters in terms of their strike rate, etc., home runs. So I'm sorry, I, I nailed that because he's one of the uh, you know the, probably one of the most well-known baseball players. Uh, in um, America at the moment. Sorry about that, mate, but have a great weekend.
11: Well done, mate. Well
2: done. Cheers. 100 bucks on uh, Monday, folks. 100 bucks plus the sleep drops uh, will be up for grabs, so that'll be around 11.30 on Monday morning. Uh, really we're, we're, uh, we're worthwhile winning, isn't it, uh, to that extent? So it's 11.40 here on SENZ. Uh, one of the other things we do on a Friday around this time is to talk the harness racing industry. We're going to do that very shortly with Greg O'Connor. And it's that uh, time of the week when we talk uh, harness racing and uh, we always uh, like to introduce Greg O'Connor into the show. Um, of course, uh, co-host of Trot's Talk at 12 o'clock on Sundays as well here on SENZ. Morning to you, Greg. Um, uh, Invercargill and in Addington today and tonight in Addington Sunday.
10: Yeah, that's right, Smithy. Morning to you. Uh, busy time at Addington Raceway. As I mentioned, uh, last week they raced... Twice a week at this time of year. It's the perfect venue for that. Weather doesn't really play a part. So uh, they've got a good program at Addington tonight and uh, they kick things off uh, just after five o'clock, 20 past five. A couple of nice bets on the program. J.R. Bromack was excellent first up. We haven't seen him in a couple of years. Uh, Ken Barron trains, and he suggested the horse would improve with the run. He goes around in race number five, Smithy. He, he's been a short at uh, 3.30 into $2.70. Uh, he got beaten by Absolute Dynamite, who's drawn one inside him this week, but uh, I think JR, with that fitness on his side, uh, should take all sorts of beating. I do like a horse in race six, around $5.00. My moments now is her name, trained by Matt Purvis. He's doing a great job with his team, and I expect that one to be pretty hard to beat. Also returning at Addington tonight is one of our stars of the trotting game, Majestic Man. Now, he's been a multiple Group Mm 1 winner in Australia and placed in all the big ones here in New Zealand. Uh, He comes back after a a decent sort of a let-up. He's trained by Phil Williamson. I don't need to introduce you to him as a master trainer of trotters. He's trained over 700 winners here in New Zealand. He's short, smithy, and... I don't know that he's over the line, but he's a very, very good horse, and he gets mobile conditions to suit tonight. So that's race eight, number
2: eight. Okay, uh, Greg, I'm just looking for our uh, pacing for purpose uh, horse, and it's uh, uh, Sunday, Addington, race five, horse number four, uh, a first starter. Midnight train to Georgia. What do you know about our chances there, man?
10: Yeah, well, it's first up for Matt Purvis. Um, this horse has done a good job down south. I watched its trial the other day, and it beat a horse called La Rosa, who was placed in uh, in the Group 1 races as a three-year-old filly. So uh, first up for Matt, he generally gets them uh, to fly at that stage, and uh, this horse's trial suggested that that'll probably be the case. So, uh, yep, a very big chance. Smithy, the carnival at uh, Albion Park, really kicks in on Saturday night and we get to see 80s white socks for the first time uh, for Luke and Belinda McCarthy now I spoke to Luke McCarthy earlier this morning he's got a race in two weeks called the Sunshine Sprint and then the big one the $350,000 blacks of fake he's absolutely wrapped with this horse you'll remember him going around in the Auckland Cup he ran four He went a very good race in that. He ran third in the Messenger behind the Aussie Majestic Cruiser, who's in the race on Saturday night, and self-assured. He's a really good horse, AG's White Sox. I'm not thinking he'll win this week, because it's only 1,660 metres, and he's got the visitors' draw the outside of the second row. But look out for him on nights two and three of this carnival, because he gives the Kiwis a great shout. AG's White Sox, a horse to follow
2: Okay, cool. Uh, in terms of uh, as the season draws to uh, towards a, a, an end, wh- what do we? How do we stand with the trainers and drivers' premierships?
10: Well, things have changed, Smithy, with the harness code because they changed the birth date. So the traditional first of August to thirty-one July harness racing season now runs from the first of January through to the thirty-first of December. Oh, so this is the okay, first right? Yes, so yeah. So it's a little bit different. Uh, the thoroughbred and greyhound code still. Race uh, on uh, through that calendar year. So at the halfway stage, Blair Orange is well clear in the Premiership leads by about fifty over John Dunn. The trainers' Premiership is really interesting because uh, Stephen Amanda Telfer, the Stonewall uh, team, they lead that Premiership over the likes of Mark Hurdon and Hayden Cullen uh, and Robert Dunn, who's now a two-time Robert and Gina Dunn two-time Premiership winner. So. Um, with the season change, it's, it's made it really interesting. I think the Telfer team will end up winning their first premiership this year, but um, yeah, there's still some firepower to come from both the Duns and, uh, of course, the All Stars team, too.
2: Okay, uh, Greg, Trot's talk on Sunday for you?
10: Yeah, it will be. We've got uh, a couple of key participants on Sunday to talk to. Terry Schmeel's got about eight drives on the day, so we'll have a chat to him. Young Sam Thornley who's an excellent junior driver. Drove a double at Addington last uh, Friday night. He drives Mikey Maguire again tonight in the feature pace. Uh, We'll catch up with Luke McCarthy. Have a chat to him about what happened on Saturday night because they have a massive team uh, throughout the whole carnival. Matt Peden to update us on uh, all the fixed odds and where the money's gone on Sunday too. So plenty of information. We'll also talk to Greg Hope who's uh, got three chances on Sunday. And Ray Green, copy that. The defending IRT New Zealand Cup winner has uh, had a very good vet report and uh, he's been back at work for about six or seven weeks. So looking forward to uh, getting an update from Ray Green as well. Lots of information there, Smithy.
2: Good on you, Greg. Uh, That's Greg O'Connor, folks. Uh, Have a great weekend, Greg. Thanks for joining us and uh, all the best uh, with the punt over the weekend and uh, the show on Sunday. Travel well, man. Thank you.
10: Yep, beautiful. Thanks, Smithy.
2: Cheers, uh, Greg O'Connor there. And uh, interesting, I got a text as he was speaking from Sean. Amazing what, uh, how things pan out. But uh, Sean came in and said, has Greg O'Connor got a horse to watch in the Queensland Carnival and the Blakes of Fake in a few weeks? And as uh, that text was coming in, Greg O'Connor was actually answering that very question. So, Sean, I, I hope that was, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, information for you that uh, you can appreciate and uh, perhaps cash in on. Uh, we haven't, uh, we had this little sneaky little rumour that Adam Fanua Blake has COVID. We, we tried to chase around. Uh, Kieran and um, and Brian tried to chase around uh, on the back of that, found nothing. So we can assume that that might just been uh, what it is, a rumour. Um, so uh, hopefully not uh, uh, for Adam Fanua Blake and for the Warriors. They need to be at absolutely full strength um, going up and they don't need that uh, going around their, their squad. As it has done, of course, <coughs> for... The uh, the All Blacks, um, looking forward to that tomorrow night. Really am um, 7:05 Eden Park. Uh, so uh, we'll take a, a very short break. We'll then uh, we'll go across to Ricardo. Ricardo Ball is uh, actually on deck uh, this afternoon, looking after Staffy Show, and Ricardo is also at uh, the Sky City outside broadcast setup. So we'll catch up with uh, the man there. Um, he's got SCNZ top on. I can see there'll be a black T-shirt underneath.
0: No doubt about that. Ricardo very shortly.